Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Imagine six million people cooking on clean energy, having access to organic fertilizer. Imagine saving hundreds of millions of trees and reducing tens of millions of greenhouse gases and putting an area the size of California's vegetable gardens under organic management. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. In this series, The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions for restoring people and planet, creating a future environment of hope. Farming. What comes to mind when you hear that word? Perhaps it's the romanticized image of the idyllic family farm. Lush green fields, happy animals, hard-working families living close to the land, gratefully bringing us the bounty of the harvest. Or perhaps you picture the dystopian current reality, the corporatized monopolies of agribusiness, fossil-fueled factory farms where farmers are more like indentured servants and patented genetically engineered monocultures drenched in toxic chemicals. What probably does not come to mind is the overriding ground truth of farming around the world today. Small, often subsistence farmers, are the ones who actually produce 50 to 75 percent of food consumed globally. More and more of these farmers are becoming organized, thus comprising what may be the biggest and most transformative movement in agriculture in these times, the agroecology revolution. Agroecology produces healthy, diverse foods and economic self-sufficiency while restoring landscapes. It breaks the dependence on fossil fuels that underpin corporate agribusiness, and it radically reduces the greenhouse gas emissions poaching the planet. In this program, we hear from two visionary agroecology innovators. Miguel Altieri is an agroecologist and entomologist at UC Berkeley who's showing how farmers who embrace agroecology are building a movement based on self-sufficiency, food security, and freedom from fossil fuels and corporate control. Alex Eaton is the founder of Sistema Bio. This game-changing company helps farmers implement a simple technology that converts waste to energy, builds healthy soils, and holds the promise of massively reducing greenhouse gases and lifting people out of poverty. This is Tribe of the New Flame, the agroecology revolution. I'm Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. We have these food empires, the corporations that are controlling the food system. They determine what the farmers are going to grow, how much they're going to grow, what technology they're going to use, and then they also control what the consumers eat, how much you're going to pay, the quality of your food, and so on. Now, there's many groups that are trying to dismantle the corporate control of the food system. It's a huge task. Perhaps more effective than that is what we call the creation of the bypass. The bypass means that farmers control autonomous territories, they create solidarity relationships with communities of consumers, 
and then they create their own arrangements and their own local markets. And then this arrangement exists within the capitalist society, but it's not totally ruled by the rules of capitalism. There's more solidarity, there's more networks that are happening. Miguel Alcheri is a Chilean-born professor and a widely respected global expert on agroecology. He sees a new agriculture emerging rooted in this science, which is participatory and incorporates the collective knowledge of farmers who've developed their own empirical practices over decades and centuries. Altieri says not only do these practices work, but they present the best way to bypass corporate control of the food system. Altieri spoke at a Bioneers conference. The agriculture of the future has to be an agriculture that is decoupled from fossil fuel dependence, low environmental impact, nature-friendly, that are resilient to climate change, that are multifunctional, not only producing food, but producing ecological services, social services, maintaining cultural traditions, and so on. And they have to provide the foundation of the local food systems. That is a very important step that first people have to be food secure, and then they can get involved in the market. So what we're looking for is systems that have high diversity, high productivity, high efficiency, because the system don't depend on external inputs. They have high levels of recycling, and a very huge integration of crops and livestock that creates synergies for the systems to work. These principles are based on practices that millions of family farms around the world have successfully developed and used. But the corporate agribusiness model has radically disrupted this lineage, resulting in the loss of valuable knowledge of the land and crops. This corporate model today occupies about 80% of our global cropland by area. It continues to wreak escalating havoc on ecosystems and produces a whopping 40% of the greenhouse gases causing climate instability. Many farmers are joining other climate refugees in the growing migrations from Central and South America and Africa. It's a 21st century global dust bowl. But is there a way to overcome this displacement? Agroecologists say yes. These people that live in these environments are people that are poor and are recipients of climate change. They didn't have anything to do with the creation of climate change. The farmers, their contribution to climate change is zero, I mean, in terms of emissions. But those are the countries that are suffering. Therefore, resiliency is going to be important for them because if we want those farmers to remain in the land, you know, we have to have systems that are going to be resilient to the climatic threats that are coming their way. What we need to do is to increase sustainably the production by using probably less arable land with less petroleum, less water, less nitrogen, and with a scenario of climate change. This challenge cannot be met with the existing industrial agricultural model. We need an alternative. Alex Eaton also had alternatives in mind when he founded Sistema Bio. This hybrid, nonprofit, for profit enterprise offers farmers the tools and training they need to become more self reliant. Eaton was previously working as a photojournalist and ski guide. In the off-season, he traveled to Nicaragua to volunteer his time installing solar panels with farmers. The experience revealed a disturbing reality to him. Although small farmers manage a third of the world's arable lands, they're the group most likely to go to bed hungry. What's wrong with this picture? 2.5 billion people live on small farms. That's one in three people. Uh, that was a surprising fact for me because I actually grew up on a small farm and it was a little weird to be the stinky kid that had to work harder than his friends. There weren't a lot of small farmers in our community, but the small farmers that we 
did work with were some of the closest friends to our family because we shared this ethic around environmental sustainability, how we were connected to the earth. They are holding so much cultural knowledge. They are holding so much deep indigenous heritage. And, and in Mexico, yeah. Uh, and in Mexico, I mean, they've been farming for four and 5,000 years, and it's, so it's really humbling to try to come in and try to introduce new techniques to these farmers, but the reality is that we're not talking about uninterrupted indigenous knowledge. If we were, I think uh, we'd be in a very, very different situation, but the reality is neoliberal economics, colonialism, in some cases genocide, these things have interrupted that ancestral knowledge. There's been a lot of money spent to sort of uh, undermine the value of that knowledge. These are the farmers that are working very, very closely with the land. They have very, very special bond to their local environment, and that is worth a lot. I believe they're not poor, but they have a lot of challenges. One major challenge these farmers face is how to deal with organic waste at scale. Animal manure is very difficult to manage. In order to compost it to create organic fertilizer, most farmers are forced to leave the manure in cattle pens or create piles close to where they live and wait for it to decompose. Not only do they have to endure the overwhelming stench, the health of their families and communities is at risk from the waste draining into shared irrigation systems and the drinking water supply. Another challenge is the lack of basic clean energy resources. In many cases, families, usually women, are forced to gather wood for fuel and cook over open fires. The situation leads directly to deforestation and respiratory diseases. So we were doing a very small demo project about 10 years ago in central Mexico, and this young man named Enrique came up to me and he said, I don't want my mom to be sick anymore. She cooks six, eight hours a day over an open fire, and she has to go to the hospital all the time because her lungs are filled with smoke. But then he said, I also haven't seen my dad in five years. He migrated to the United States to work when our farm wasn't making enough money, and I really want to make enough money so that he can come home. If I don't, I'm probably going to have to migrate too. How do you turn a vicious cycle into a virtuous cycle? Alex Eaton came up with an alternative for Enrique a biogas system that his family could use to convert animal, human, and agricultural waste into both fertilizer and cleaner energy. The system is called BioBolsa. It's a 15-foot-long industrial bag that farmers put in a trench near their house. They funnel animal and human waste and water into it. Bacteria inside the bag flourish and produce a biogas that travels through two pipes. One goes into the home, providing a source of energy. The other funnels liquid organic fertilizer from the biobolsa to an exterior tank that farmers use to fertilize their crops. We create these extensions of a cow's stomach, essentially these micro-ecosystems that allow bacteria, actually the original form of life on Earth, a single-celled bacteria that existed before there was free oxygen that had been created by plants. These bacteria broke down organic waste, and the byproduct of that is methane gas, natural gas, that we capture in the top of this big, essentially, bladder. And that gets captured, and then we can pipe that for cooking fuels, running small engines, chilling, 
pumping water, doing all the things that small farmers don't have access to. And then what's basically happening is these organic chains are being broken down, the nutrients that are in that waste are being put in a plant-available form, and then can be easily recycled back into the soil to help create deeper soil. The biodigester technology has existed for a long time, but hadn't been widely adopted in this context because of both low-quality manufacturing and the lack of training and long-term follow-up that farmers needed to use it successfully. That's why Alex Eaton and his company have invested so heavily in training technicians in rural communities, many of whom are women. The first farm to install the biodigester in a community serves as a prototype. The community gathers together to see it in action. People witness how it makes farming easier and increases production while drastically reducing energy costs. Family farms save money by using the biodigester because they can stop buying petroleum and chemical fertilizers. But it still costs about a thousand U.S. dollars to get started, which is often an insurmountable barrier as it was for Enrique and his family. So Alex Eaton's company found a way to address that barrier of entry, too. When we started in Mexico, the average interest rate for a loan for a small farmer was over 100% annual. Can you imagine what that does to the small margins that they have on their work? So we built a crowd-based funding platform that allowed us to extend 0% interest loans to farmers. We made sure that they didn't have to pay. Yeah. I wish I had access to zero-interest loans, too, but this, in this case, is, is really make sure that they don't have to pay when they're buying seeds, they don't have to pay when they're buying school uniforms. We really tried to dive into farmers' lives and extend the payment program so that they could actually be paying only with the savings that they had. We actually try to make sure that they're cash flow positive right from the very, very beginning. And then when they pay off the equipment, that means that all of those savings can be reinvested back in the farm. So we installed the system with Enrique. We gave him a 10-month loan to pay that system off. Over that period of time, within a month, his mom was able to remove wood fuel from their kitchen. She not only was cooking for the family, but they also make this delicious yogurt that they sold locally. The organic fertilizer was used in his fields that he had basically had to abandon because they couldn't afford chemical fertilizer inputs. He increased his yield. They were able to increase their milk production. They reactivated this small orchard that they had of small indigenous fruits in, in central Mexico, which they added to the yogurt. He paid off the loan a couple months early. The next season, they planted twice as much crops as the year before, and Enrique's father was there to help them harvest back at the family farm. We see this as part of a circular economy. How can farmers disconnect themselves from this neoliberal trap of having to buy their inputs, being sort of stuck with these intermediaries that are buying their products for lower prices, being marginalized because most of the money they make has to leave their economy, no? How can they sell organic fertilizer to their neighbors? How can they be processing the agricultural products locally? These are some of the questions Miguel Altieri also considers in his travels around the world as he documents how small farmers using agroecological principles are creating stable, healthy, local food production and maximizing their autonomy. When we return, Miguel Altieri reports on how farmers are sharing that knowledge, creating a powerful movement and doing an end run around corporate agribusiness. And Alex Eaton describes the movement called the Tribe of the New Flame and its newly transformed mythological dragon, 
that eats waste and breathes fire. This is Tribe of the New Flame, the agroecological revolution. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. You can see and hear more from the guests in this program and explore more Bioneers radio programs, podcasts, and videos online at Bioneers.org. For information on attending the National Bioneers Conference and Bioneers events in your area, please visit Bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER. When you take a close look at who's actually producing the food we eat, it may surprise you to know that small farmers are the key. They produce an astonishing 50 to 75 percent of food consumed globally. And while the heavily touted Green Revolution supposedly created 7,000 crop varieties, small farmers are growing about 2 million crop varieties on only about one-third of the arable land. Imagine what they could produce using agroecological principles if they had access to even half of the land. Miguel Altieri says one of the most striking examples comes from Cuban farmers. Until 1989, the small island country was totally dependent on the Soviet Union for all the synthetic chemical inputs it needed to maintain industrial agriculture, fertilizers, pesticides, and fuel. When the Soviet Union collapsed, imports of these vital inputs dropped by nearly 70 percent. Cuban farmers were forced to get seriously creative. Can you imagine tomorrow we turn off the entrance of petroleum and pesticides and fertilizers into the United States, what would happen? The whole agriculture would collapse. Interestingly enough, in Cuba, this is what happened. The large-scale state farms of Cuba all collapsed. So the only ones that could respond to that crisis were the small farmers. How did they do it? Well, basically, they created agricultural strategies. Uh, They promoted through ANAP, which is the National Association of uh, Small Farmers, They promote a very, very integrated systems uh, that yields a variety of different products. 130,000 farmers that are practicing agriculture in Cuba. These farmers can feed 34 people with the protein produced with with one hectare per year with an energy efficiency of one of 30. That means they put one kilocalorie and they get 30. There's no more efficient agriculture in the world than that. Industrial agriculture in this country is 1.5 and organic farming is about three. So these guys are... 20 times more efficient in the use of uh, energy than any other farms. These farms have also proven to be much more resilient in the face of climate disruption. In one study conducted after Hurricane Ike in 2008, farms modeled on agroecological principles lost only half as much as their monocultured conventional counterparts, and they recovered more quickly. Altieri has spent the last 30 years documenting how extensive, efficient, and productive agroecological systems are throughout the so-called developing world in producing food and maintaining livelihoods. At the same time, these systems enhance ecosystem services. They build soil, retain water, enhance biodiversity, and sequester carbon. What's not to like? Altieri works in California, Asia, Latin America, and Africa, including projects with the United Nations to scale up this approach. 
He's personally witnessed how small communities are dramatically restoring ecological systems degraded by harmful agricultural practices, including overgrazing and deforestation. This is a very interesting study in Colombia, an area that was very affected by the violence because of um, drug trafficking and guerrillas and so on. From 1992 to 2016 has been a total restoration of the watershed by the community that decided to stay there and they start recovering first the landscape, reforestation in the top of the mountain, soil and water conservation practices in order to harvest water because it rains there but only two months a year. So you have water and depending on the amount of water that you harvest, then you calculate how much land you're going to devote for agriculture. That allowed for the reincorporation of agricultural systems. And what we're seeing today, there has been 75% recovery of the forest cover, forest fragments connected, water conservation increased from 25 families to 75 families now that have uh, water, and actually they are becoming also self-sufficient in food, about 70% reduction in use of external inputs, and they produce about 90% of what they eat. So that's a truly, at the community level, this is something fantastic. Scaling this kind of community-based restoration is precisely the way to rebuild from the ground up, including in countries where war has devastated both land and communities. Miguel Altieri says, the real hope is arising in networks such as Via Campesina, a powerful global peasant movement that has adopted agroecology as a tentpole in its steady drive toward food sovereignty. They actually are a very strong political power, and they see agroecology as a key form of resistance to an economic system that puts profits before life. So it's a political agroecology that requires them to challenge and transform structures of power in society to put control of the seeds, biodiversity, land, territories, waters, knowledge, etc., in the hands of the people, the people that really are doing the farming. And because of the strength of the social movements, many, many countries that have progressive governments have been forced to promote laws that are going to promote agroecology. Brazil, for example, has a very interesting different programs. One of them is the school lunch program, where the government buys 30% of the food that small farmers produce to distribute it in the social markets, that is in the schools, in the hospitals, elderly homes, and so on. And that obviously keeps farmers away from debt and don't depend totally on the neoliberal markets, but rather on the institutional markets. And so we have different factors that allows for the achievement of scale of agroecology. Perhaps the most important is Campesino a Campesino, which is a movement of horizontal exchange of information between farmers. There's no need for experts from the outside to come and help them. They basically have the solutions, and they spread the knowledge, and that's how the system is growing tremendously. Nature is a web that runs on mutualism and reciprocity. Alex Eaton has witnessed the power of cooperative agricultural networks around the world. He and his team at Biosistema are collaborating with farmer co-ops, other businesses, and local and state governments to bring the biodigester technology, service, and financing to 200,000 family farms. They're working in South America, Central America, East Africa, and India, providing safer indoor air quality while reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Imagine six million people cooking on clean energy, having access to organic fertilizer. Imagine saving hundreds of millions of trees and reducing tens of millions of greenhouse gases and putting an area the size of California's vegetable gardens 
under organic management. It's something we're really, really working for as fast as we can. Our work is fundamentally a very simple but beautiful alchemy. We're transforming something they already have, but something that's considered gross, disgusting waste, and we're transforming it into something beautiful, in this case, a beautiful blue flame. Early on in our work, we were working with Mayan communities in the Yucatan Peninsula, and they were calling the system El Nuevo Fuego, the new flame. And I was like, wow, the new flame. In Mayan culture, the flame is the grandfather of grandfathers, right? The original essence, the original being. So we came up with this dragon uh, that ate and breathed fire. And, and we, we told this whole story about it. And probably the pinnacle of uh, my professional career was when this was approved by the Mexican education secretary. And we literally had 300 teachers and 1,000 students dressed as eating dragons running around saying, Caca is vida, and uh, singing songs. And uh, yeah, the trickster in me really loved the problem uh, student in me really loved that moment. And, and so that connection, I think, is what makes our work really, really powerful in thinking about that. So we're, we're the tribe of the new flame, really thinking about how the similarities in farmers around the world are actually much more significant than their differences. And I think the cross-section, that community that we're building is really, really powerful. Alex Eaton and Miguel Altieri know that young people are key to the ultimate success of small farmers bypassing corporate agribusiness. In many places, including South and Central America, families who've watched their children leave the farm never to return because there was no viable future are now seeing the tide turning. There's a lot of young people that are going back to the land because Via Campesina created the schools now, Peasant University, there are several in different countries, where they not only teach them about agroecology and how to produce food and create these incredible farms, they also teach them political ecology. That is, why are you poor? Why were your parents exploited? Why your parents have just a little piece of land and these corporations have a lot of land? So when these young people become politically aware of the injustices and the inequities in the system, then they want to go back and fight for their land. And actually now, some of them went to study, and they have PhDs in biology, in agronomy, working back in their communities. It's really powerful to see so many young people here today. The saying we use really often is the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time is today. I met these children when the middle child hadn't even been born yet, and they were so young. They will never know a time in which their mom goes to the forest to harvest wood fuel. They will never know a time in which they dump chemicals on their land to grow food. They will never know a time in which waste is something gross. It's something beautiful that transforms into their energy and their resources. This is the frame change we need to change the world, and these are our future leaders. So join me in supporting them, and thank you very much. Alex Eaton and Miguel Altieri, Tribe of the New Flame, the Agroecology Revolution. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Kenny Ausubel. Senior producer and station relations, Stephanie Welch. Host and consulting producer, Neil Harvey. Producer, Teo Grossman. 
Program engineer, Emily Harris. Our theme music is co-written by the Baca Forest people of Cameroon and Baca Beyond from the album East to West. All royalties from Baca compositions and performances go to the Baca Forest people through the charity Global Music Exchange. Find out more at globalmusicexchange.org. Additional music was made available by Mark Barrett at markbarrett.com. For more music information, please visit bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0218.